Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. Don't chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Out. Andrew on the board. S&P Futures uh, are... Where are we? S&P, oh, there we are. S&P Futures are, are down four and a quarter. NASDAQ Futures down 75. I actually know the Nasdaq S&P futures down 25 cents. They just popped back here. One of one of these is delayed. One's live. Nasdaq futures down 70. So after a big update yesterday, do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. What's up, man? Uh, it's Friday morning. It's warm and sunny outside. Uh, yeah. I, I think enjoy it while it lasts because it's supposed to go away for a little while. But I'll take it. Yeah, it was pretty nice. A lot of people. Uh, any place that was able to get their place open outside downtown last night, which most people don't, don't really start till May first. But uh, some kind of guys have sort of that hybrid where you can be sort of in and out, and they had some people there. But uh, plus, there's only instead of ten places, there's two or three places. So if anything happens, you're pretty crowded. So you get you got that going for you in the downtown South Loop that used to be, shall we say? It doesn't. It's creeping back so slow, Kevin. But I was on a train last night. Going south, and there's people are creeping back on the train, but you're missing that whole. I'll bet, I'll bet 1,500 people, maybe more, from the south side used to take the train every day to work on the exchanges. And if you count all of the exchange-related businesses that were in all these buildings, it probably was more like three or four thousand. That's a lot of, it's a lot of people getting off within you know 50 feet of work. It's you know it's a, it's a long comeback uh, from something like that. And uh, these buildings are still all. Either foreclosed or something, or half empty, or more. And you still ask the question: Who who benefited from all of it? Uh, so we four, know who's taking the hits. Who's who's benefiting? Three or four people. They decided to have three or four people provide all the markets, and they make a million or two million dollars a day. Well, and start thinking about it. You know, there, there's that, and then there's uh, all of the related. <clears throat> excuse me, the related businesses um, that are. Uh, you know where where everybody, all those people who came and and uh, into the loop every day to work, would um, you know they'd go to lunch, they go to uh, they go out after work, they uh, you know all of that too is uh, uh, there have been a lot of hits taken along the way, and that's not just you know a, a local Chicago phenomenon, that's a phenomenon everywhere. Well, it's even it's even worse here, I think, because uh, well, I, there's there's so many places that are closed. As a matter of fact, the uh, Good thing we have a kitchen in the office, because I love to cook, and I whip up something after the show every day before the trading f- starts. And uh, I don't, I don't know if there is a place even to go to breakfast. I don't think there is. Yeah, there may not be. So, what's for breakfast this morning, Tom? What are you going to make? I don't know. I got to ask Andrew. Andrew has his. Uh, today would either be a, a cross between flapjacks or maybe some uh, some sausage. We had bacon yesterday. Well, you could have bacon two days in a row. Well, that's true. That is true. No- nothing wrong with that. That is very true. We're tr- you know, we try and keep a, keep a mix as best we can. We can always go eggs. You know, we can do eggs to egg stuff. You know, we did that. Uh, we, we have we have the means. I went to a restaurant depot and bought like a a commercial two two burner uh, hot hot thing, and it works fine. You know, it's like having a stove. 
and we have a microwave and a couple of Nesco roasters, so we can do we can do just about anything, you know, anything you want. Mm-hmm. Just saying, you know, we probably don't we don't have an oven, so we can't we can't bake bread. But other than that, we're pretty much we pretty much candle everything. So just, what do you make of? Uh, well, the Bulls are well, playing. Be- the before play- you get to yeah. serious stuff, I want I want to hit the uh, the Bears draft because you guys talked briefly about it yesterday. Well, wait a minute, what about what about all of the lack of of uh, Big-time people that graduated Loyola. It was a pretty lame list for 100,000 people. I, I sent you the link with the full list, too. Oh, right. I just gave you a few highlights. Well, I, I gave you the names that you would recognize. Ah, the best you so, came up with was Johnny D. The, the Irish are scrubbing him out of the history books. Are they? Why? What makes <laughs> you think that? They never liked the guy. They couldn't wait to see him until he left. The name has never come up at anything as being anything good. Oh, you should read Mike Coffey's book called Echoes on the Hardwoods. It, it's a, uh, um, it, it, it's a, one of the, uh, the oral history style. Um, okay. Uh, a, a compilation, and there's a lot about Johnny D in there. Um, I think you get a, you get a pretty good feel for him um, and, and for what was going on. And for those listeners who are not gigantic Notre Dame basketball fans dating back into the 60s, <laughs> In the early seventies, Johnny D was the predecessor to Digger Phelps. Yes, um, he he is the coach who, uh, among others, had Austin Carr, uh, along with Sid Catlett, and and um, um, da, 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 some of the other forward. Was really Jones. good. College Jones, yeah. Uh, you know, some some really good teams there, and uh, you know, Austin Carr, I think, still owns four of the top seven or eight games. You know, scoring games. In NCAA history, including the the top one, the number one uh, scoring game with 61 points in an NCAA tournament game before three point uh, lines, and before the three point line, and he was a great outside shooter as well as a uh, a threat to take it to the basket and a really good finisher. Um, so, and Carr was the number one pick in the draft his year, and he was an all star for a few years, and then uh, hurt his knee in the days before. Um, the days before uh, uh, arthroscopic surgery was uh, came along, uh, so um, you know, it, much like Gail Sayers, uh, and, and a lot of Chicagoans will know the story of Gail Sayers, and how that serious knee injury uh, curtailed his career. And even though he came back and came back and had a thousand-yard rushing season, he still wasn't the same guy. He wasn't Gail Sayers. Of course, nobody he, he wasn't. He wasn't the electric Gale Sayers we knew. He was just. He, he turned into a tough, very skilled back. But the the point is that uh, if if you were to go look into BasketballReference.com, one of the things that they do is they they have a set of stats for every player that normalized per thirty six minutes. So the card card didn't come back from his surgery and play the same number of minutes. Not even close. But his his stats per 36 minutes stayed the same for a really long time, even he, though he was he, playing fewer minutes. Didn't he score a point a minute in high school, college, and pro, or something like that? I think so. Might have been, yeah. The, uh, but the, it, it just, it's just an absolutely great player. And he was the days of, you know, he, he was a contemporary of Pete Maravich and Rick Mount and, you know, some of those really great guards that were uh, playing in those days. Well, he was the... Uh, was it? You know, we disparage uh, Johnny D a little bit. Uh, not we don't because the school sort of did, but I, uh, it was a really for those who are are younger, which I think most people are. 
Uh, everybody's younger, but they, Tom. But he graduated. <laughs> he graduated seventy-one, right? Yes. So, and that whole group did. There was five seniors, and the next year I've told the story about the worst team ever in seventy-two. Digger's first year when they had literally nobody. Uh, but it was a really tough time because that was during all your time of the student strikes, massive drug use on campus because everybody knew, everybody thought they were going to be in a. They're going to be shot like a week later. They're going to get drafted and be in Vietnam and shot. It was a whole different – it was a world that I don't think that you could even write a book and describe, Kevin. I mean, there's, there have to be some books that that talk about it. I mean, Robin, who's been on the show a few times, she was in Michigan. She's a little older than us. Uh, and when the weathermen were there and uh, it was the students for the Democrats, said, didn't the weathermen start in Michigan, in Ann Arbor? I think they did. Uh, Either that or Wisconsin. I'm not sure. Yeah, one, but, I mean, it was a whole different world with uh, – Student strikes and all kinds of stuff going on that you would never even, never even think of today. Uh, and, and people were were pretty pissed off about having to go to Vietnam and get killed because a lot of their friends had. It was done. It didn't seem like any anything, any progress. There was, there was really no chance of any progress over there, of any of any sort. And uh, you talk about everybody in the news media uh, today. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. I mean. The, well, would you listen to CNBC or Fox News or anything all day long? I mean, it, there's really, it's, it's, what would you say, Kevin? Uh, unbiased news is really hard to find. But it, it's really, there's no such thing as a, you know, I don't watch Fox News that much, but there's no such thing as we're stopping the editorializing and for this half hour we're just going to do news. <clears throat> I mean, but there actually was in those days, I mean, your 6 o'clock news every night, the networks, and there were three networks, and then you had an independent station like Channel 9. The networks all had their guy at six o'clock, and there was co- competition there. You know, the, the, the but the competition wasn't in, in who did the best job, really. I mean, you had Walter Cronkite, who was, was Dan Rather on, on seven, somebody else was on five. They were all serious names, and uh, they they really just they essentially I won't say donated because they competed and had commercials. Uh, and, and a matter of fact, they they probably made a lot of money on the news every night, but. Uh, they essentially said, okay, for a half hour we're going to do just news. And they did. And all of a sudden, Walter Cronkite went over to Vietnam for, what did he go for, like two weeks, Kevin? And, mm-hmm. and he did a bunch of stories over there. And Walter Cronkite was absolutely, I mean, if, he, if, you, if you talk about news in the 60s and the 50s and even the 70s, the name comes up Walter Cronkite. I mean, everybody believed the guy, right? I mean, he was, a, he was. He was the man who had more, the most credibility in America. Yep. More, more than any politician or any other any other famous leader in any venue. Um, the, well, he was the most trusted man in America. Well, he came back. <laughs> imagine anybody saying that about oh, a news God. person today. Like you can't even come. <laughs> and he came back from Vietnam, and and he, you could tell that he was really struggling with himself whether he should stay. And I remember watching his life. He came back and he, and he just one night he goes, you know, I just came back. I I don't see what we're doing there. I don't see what, I don't I don't see any progress, any victory anywhere at any time, or something along those lines. What were the exact words, Kevin? I mean, maybe I don't know. Uh, but he and, and the the nation was absolutely stunned, and and the politicians were <laughs> aghast that he said something like that because he, he carried ten times the credibility of Robert McNamara and all these other guys that were body counts and all this other crap. And all of a sudden, what we, the whole the whole tone changed in Washington, didn't it? And the people were just like, we thought there was something something smelling over there, and now we know because Walter Cronkite agrees with me, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was no, even though I don't know if, if Johnson sent more troops after that or not, but it was, 
you know, all of a sudden public opinion, which had been percolating from the bottom up, I mean, ripping families apart. I mean, you can only imagine if the old man is a, is a World War II vet and the kid's a draft dodger because he doesn't want to go to Vietnam. I mean, what that did to a lot of families. I mean, it's, it's, matter of fact, it's unfathomable even to imagine that today. Is it, Kevin, for, for young people? I mean, well, it, it is, um, and there's a lot of dynamic that's changed in there, so it's really, you know, we'd be comparing two eras anyway. But um, <clears throat> but it was, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, we, we really believed we were uh, um, we were battling the domino theory you know that if every time a country would topple to uh, uh, communism the next one would be in line and that eventually we would be engulfed by it um, and, and you know what <laughs> we're probably staring down the barrel of that same same process today only maybe more in reality because the Chinese probably have more ability to pull it off yeah well they were they were involved then. I mean, uh, my cousin who was over there said you'd you'd fight a group of people who were uh, Vietnam, and all of a sudden everybody was and on one one hill everybody's five two, and another hill everybody's five ten. He said there were Chinese fighting in Vietnam. Yep. I mean, it was a anyway. It was a uh, just a horrible time for just about everybody, and and everybody in our age group. I mean, you can't forget it. I mean, and, and my as everybody can obviously gather. My view of government hasn't changed. You know, I bet I, I still think that it's a massive cover your ass kind of thing there, and they make these mistakes constantly, and they get less and less competent as as the generations go by. And uh, and we've got we've got you know we we've got Captain Parmenter from F Troop running the place. I mean, in in a lot of these areas now, I I think I hope it hasn't wandered into the military, Kevin, but I don't see how it can't. The wrong people no, I don't are, see how it can't either. Or the wrong people are getting promoted for the wrong reasons. And well, and, and and we're seeing it. It's the agendas are screwy. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, I get that there's people very, very committed to the social justice movement uh, and 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 everything that, that means. And I'm certainly not against social justice as a concept, but that that's not really the point here. the The point is that you know what should we what what needs to be our mission with the military and first and foremost the mission with the military needs to be we can fight and win a war yeah <laughs> more than anything else and, and i believe we uh you know i, I believe the uh, theory has always been that it has to be on two fronts um so you know it, once our once our priorities get out of whack um you know we, we that then we start to uh, get adrift from that concept and not you know I don't know what to, you know what to expect. Uh, you know, if we if we had to fight in uh, you know with uh, U.S. troops in Ukraine, what would that look like? Would that be the same cluster bleep, or would that be uh, um, you know would would they be effective? I don't know. I think <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think know what would, to expect. I think they would be very effective. Maybe only because not only because we get some pretty good people, but. Uh, I think only because the the Russians have shown themselves to be very ineffective. I mean, the the idea of coordination of the people on the ground, in the air, and in, and in the water, they don't seem to have a clue how to do that. I mean, I'm I'm stunned. I mean, Lou says the whole military's stunned how bad they are at it. They can throw artillery shells at you and people, and, and and wreck your place, and you know, and cause havoc. But the idea of he goes, they can't have, they have good planes, they have good pilots, but they can't seem to coordinate ten pilots and ten planes in the air at the same time. 
mean, that's that's the stuff we've been doing for like a real long time. That goes back to George Marshall. It's all it's all coordination. But you know the thing that's it's a uh, you mentioned Kevin. It's at all levels. The the new mayor elect has come out with his things about the police, uh, the new police chief. And you know, I last thing I want is the police beating up on anybody. I mean, I, I want to see the police doing everything properly. But somewhere, if I were to list the things that police do, he was talking about uh, inclusion and uh, making sure there's diversity and making sure there's community with this. And don't you think somewhere in the top four or five things that police do, it's it's to catch the bad guys? Isn't that I, really? I would put that somewhere pretty near the top of the list. Yeah, isn't it? Like, it's number one, yeah. and then you drop down to about six. Yeah, I... Uh, I went to the, had my truck on the south side yesterday, getting fixed if it is fixed. Uh, so I'm driving back, you know, through the hood. And I mean, the, the stuff that's going on is crazy, even, even on the road. People flying through bike lanes when, when the light's red. and I mean, at, at the thought of anybody getting pulled over, <laughs> what, that, now that you can't do that anymore because you're, you're insulting somebody? Or what, what are you doing? I mean, do, do you want to do something good for people in disadvantaged neighborhoods? Make them safer. Yes. And. Provide great city services, whatever right. services the city's required to provide. Get be great at it. Well, that's I right. don't know how you do more for people than that as, as government. Well, and I, they don't. Well, I was stunned when my because uh, we're too concerned about who we hire. Well, I was stunned, I was stunned when my buddy Robert came back from South Africa, and I, you know, I don't know beans about South <laughs> Africa. The only thing I know about South Africa is when I used to go to these uh, uh, big money shows for the CBOE and speak for them. Uh, I used to go see the guys with the, uh, you know, oil and gas deals only because they, they fascinated me. The different types. Everybody says, "Oh, it's an oil and gas deal." There's got to be fifty different kinds of oil and gas deals depending on the area, your, your percentage chance. Anyway, but uh, all just because they had a, apartheid, which of course nobody thought was a good idea. They were. I didn't realize nobody could ship them oil for like years. So when they oh, had, yeah, they were under economic boycott for a lot of reasons. But they had uh, for a lot of products. So they had they had to make do with coal, and virtually all the advancements in modern coal technology came out of South Africa. And anyway, so my buddy Robert is down there, and he goes, Johannesburg, you can't even walk down the street. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, it was the first night we had a conference, and I walked to my hotel five minutes away, and I said, you did what? I said, tomorrow we'll get in your car. You're lucky you didn't get you know somebody to jump out of the car shoot you, and when you're dead, go through your pockets. Because it's that bad. Now, I don't understand who the hell the government is down there, but isn't the first job of government to protect your people? I mean, what, what, am I, what am I missing here? The person who lives in Inglewood and trying to do a good job, what rights does that person have in our society? None. And nobody cares about him. We care about the crook. I, I don't get it, Kevin. I just, I mean, I'm not Mr. Law and Order, and I don't want a machine gun nest on every corner, but doesn't everybody get a right to have their, their daughter go down to the corner and, and, and you know and, and buy uh, you know buy some water for dinner or something? I mean, where, where do where do the, where do the, the regular people lose their rights in, de- in deference to the people who uh, are taking them away from them? I, I it's so misguided. I, I just can't even begin to come up with a logical explanation for it. Well, one thing we have to do is go to break. SP futures down two, and SP futures down fifty eight. This after a huge update yesterday. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about maybe well the we headline. Gotta, we gotta get back to the Bears thing that we I raised the at the opening of the show. Uh, guys, guys uh, asked me who are they gonna draft the other day. I mean, I mean, yeah. Because after all, we're stocks and jacks. I have no idea. And after you know, I'm not a 
This Arlington, Arlington Park thing has got me sour on the beers a little bit. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. SP Futures down 2. NASA Futures down 62. Not much considering the day we had yesterday, which I'll mention right, right out of the gate. It was such a good day. Uh, Dow was down, uh, I'm sorry, up 383. SP, S&P was up 54. NASDAQ almost 2%, 236. So it was a big day after the PPI number kind of confirmed two things it confirmed if you just looked at the numbers uh that the uh inflation is cooling somewhat 
Also, but if you look at the numbers, you saw that the it was all because of energy prices allegedly down, which was an adjustment. Everybody knows energy prices are up, so I don't know where that all leads next month, but that'll be next month's problem. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 58.4%, FTSE up 43.6%, CAC around up 30.4%. Um, what is it, Andrew? You can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Is that what they, they claim? I'm not so sure about that. Nikkei up 336, 1.2%. Hang Seng up 54.5%. Shanghai up 19.6%. So bullish across the board over in uh, Asia, but not, not tremendously. Uh, bonds up one basis point, 3.46. The bonds did not move us yesterday really on this, but the market did. Bund unchanged 2.38. Uh, Japan uh, unchanged at 0.47. Uh, oil. Up twenty, up thirty-one cents. Over eighty-two now, eighty-two forty-seven as it keeps creeping up. Uh, Brand up twenty-nine cents, eighty-six thirty-eight. Natural gas up two cents, two o three. Back up over two bucks. We've got gold actually down a little today, but still it was over two thousand and fifty yesterday. So it's down seven ninety today, two thousand forty-seven. Silver up another fourteen cents, twenty-six o seven. It went from really twenty-four and a half to twenty-three. Back and forth, back and forth for really a couple of years now. It seems we've broken out to the upside at twenty-six o eight. Copper up two cents. 415. I have a lot of clients yesterday saying that they're they were are looking into buying. Of course, you know, I don't know, maybe the timing's wrong. A lot of people are into these these metals of all kinds, the miners of the world and everything. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin, thirty thousand seven ninety three up four eleven, and we have the U.S. dollar um, kind of unchanged here, but the the euro is over one ten. Okay, so one of the reasons why this other stuff is going up is because the value of the dollar is going down. Duh. And the British pound is uh, still at like 125, even though that's uh, down a little bit today. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Not much sports. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say. Um, pretty empty day yesterday, uh, I guess apart from the uh, uh, Bears draft and everything. But uh, what we can look forward to today is at 540, the Diamondbacks are going to be playing the Marlins. That's 540 Chicago time. And the White Sox, or excuse me, the Cubs are going to be playing the Dodgers at 9-10 uh, Chicago time. Don't think I'll be able to see that whole game before dozing. Yeah. <laughs> but over to the uh, NBA, we have the Bulls playing the Heat at 6 p.m. And it looks like that's about it for sports today. Uh, going over to Phoenix weather, they're at 59 degrees, clear skies today. They're going to have a high of 78. And here in Chicago, we are at 56 degrees, clear skies. We're going to have a high of 77, so for once, those are looking pretty similar. Now, finally, over to Chicago traffic. Uh, traffic has built as it always does on the major expressways. If anything, it's a little bit lesser on the Kennedy today. Uh, not as much red as we've been seeing. We've been seeing a lot of red over there. Uh, but let's see, over on the Dan Ryan, an accident is blocking the two right lanes uh, on the Dan Ryan East between Roosevelt Road and I-55 Stevenson. It's pretty close to downtown there. Uh, expect a little bit of delays over there. Other than that, I don't think there's anything to know. Well, especially so. if somebody got tossed out of their car and he's laying on the pavement. That's not good. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. Well, they, they call it an ejection type of thing or whatever it's a... Anyway, we've got to we got to talk bears, but I think we have uh, Mr. Murphy on to talk a little bit about these uh, this le- this rest of this leak guy yesterday. Uh, but uh, let's let's do bears bears first. Oh, by the way, uh, the big sports news in Chicago, which Andrew sort of missed, Jonathan Tay's last game last night, and uh, the Hawks have said they don't want to sign him even for fifty cents. Kevin, isn't that the greatest organization? They are, <laughs> but <clears throat> it is. Probably, you know, it's probably doing him a favor um, 
because he's I, I'm not sure what he has left. I don't does he have a year left? Does he have two no, years? He's only thirty four. Yeah, he's only thirty four, but he's also been through a lot health wise. And uh, so it may make a lot of sense for him to find a team, you know, see if he can get connected with a contender. And, you know, sometimes sometimes the best thing an organization can do when it's going through a rebuild is say, you know, we love what you've done for us, and as a result, we want to uh, make sure that you have a chance to go out with a bang. Um, but that's not I, don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, his contract is up. I can see where they – the statement could have been something like, we are going to see what Jonathan wants to do. We're going to see about his health, uh, blah, blah, blah. Something that leaves the door open that if he gets healthy again and wants to play for a, a more reasonable number since he's got enough dough, that you would think he would be welcome here at some point. But they basically said no matter what, we don't want you. I, I, I'm just kind of stunned at the way it was done. Well, I think their, I think their announcement was a little gentler than that. Uh, they said the, the Hawks will not be re-signing Jonathan Taze. Uh, I, I think it said something along the lines of uh, recently we've had co- uh, you know uh, conversations with Jonathan, Jonathan Taze about his future and we've reached a difficult decision that it won't be with the Blackhawks. I think it was something like that. Look, that's a good statement. That's a better statement. We, yeah. Do I, do I think the Hawks have a great organization? Uh, you know, even as we've what we've learned even from the championship years is that they had a lot of. Uh, a lot of rot, a lack of an ethical core. So, uh, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not latching on to them. But one of the bright spots in their organization has always been Jonathan Taves. He was a great leader and a good and a really good guy for them. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, if it, actually it would have been the nice thing to do two years ago to, to yeah. let him have a chance to latch on with a contender. Well, but you know, but he's also. You know, while he has been out a lot, he's been expensive, so it's pretty hard to move a guy like that. Well, this whole thing is is long COVID. I wonder. I hope it isn't because he had a how many booster shots do you think those guys had through the years? I don't know. Probably too many. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there there's a whole lot there. They're also associating a lot of uh, long COVID systems uh, 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 symptoms as being the same ones that if you wear a mask too much. <laughs> well, let's and, uh, and, and deal with your own bacteria. Let's talk about the okay, bears. So and real bring quickly, Mike in. real quickly, the bears, so we can bring Mike in because Mike's got good stuff to talk about. Uh, the bears uh, have the ninth pick, and as you described yesterday, they needed to fill a lot of holes. Quite, you know, almost all holes. But the thing that you you didn't really mention is in the off season they have picked up a a, a first a, a starting number one caliber receiver. Yep, in DJ Moore two starting linebackers, a starting offensive lineman, uh, and two defensive linemen who are average type of players, but who will start on their team for sure, and that, you know, they, they can start for a lot of teams, even though they're not going to be stars. And then they've filled in with some other players, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty good backup tight end, Robert Dunyon, that they got from Green Bay, um, you know, uh, some special teams players in that. So the question is, what you know, what do they still need to become competitive? Because you know, whatever they are this year is, you know, needs to be a big improvement. Whatever they are next year, they need to continue to add. Well, they got a couple um, of draft choices that they got are for next year, right? Uh, yeah. So they they got one from Carolina next year, as well as trading uh, spots with Carolina this year, which is why they're in the number nine spot. I. I 
I think that, you know, I would have to believe that they are looking at defensive linemen and offensive linemen. And it would not surprise me uh, if they still traded down out of that I was gonna say, uh, I bet number they trade, nine spot yeah. into the teens and picked up more uh, later round picks. Well, they, um, need, they need a... They, as, as much as, uh, you know, it's all it's teamwork and it is teamwork, someplace, somewhere, you need a, a guy that uh, can handle himself against just about anybody because, as you know, we played a lot of football. If you've got one guy in the offensive line that can handle his guy, an all-pro kind of guy, now you're four on three. <laughs> if you've got two guys like that, now you're three on two. And, and the more you get like that, the better off you are. I mean, you can't be yep. helping everybody. So they need somebody on the defensive line to make these guys they just got better than average, or they need they need a, a Jimbo Covert on the offensive line that is going to stay there for ten years, and you wrap people around him. You have to do something like that because the people they have are really awful. I mean, yeah, so as as you look at um, as you look at the draft, you start looking at defensive linemen who could conceivably be available. Um, I don't know that Tyree Wilson will uh, from Texas Tech will fall to um, uh, to number nine, um, but if he does, I would imagine they'd grab him in a heartbeat. He's a, a freakish athlete. Um, Keon White from Georgia Tech is a really good uh, defensive end pass rusher, and Miles Murphy from Clemson. And Miles Murphy might be the kind of guy you can get if you trade into the teens. So those are those are some of those prospects. You think the guy from uh, Georgia is still going to go real high, even though he had the? You know, it, it's it, it's possible that he could slip down to number nine. So the question gets to be, you know, it, 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 are you willing to take a chance on a guy who has shown a lot of immaturity and uh, and and didn't have the sense to show up for his pro day in shape? I, I think the Bears are in a mode where they really need a sure thing. Yeah. So, so what, you know that is, the the reward is high if it works out. The risk is high. I don't know what they'll do there. I you know because I I just don't I I don't know anything about this regime uh, enough. Now, if you look at offensive line, you got you know Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, Broderick Jones from uh, uh, Georgia. Um, uh, Darnell Wright, Tennessee, uh, Par- Paris Johnson from Ohio State. These are all very highly rated players. Uh, all a- any and any of them, I am sure, would step in and start on their offensive line. Well, the, the question uh, is: Are any of them the left tackle types? Uh, Skaronsky, maybe. Um, I think you can get him lower than nine. Skaronsky? Yeah. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy they would pick at nine. I think if you're starting to talk about, you know, when when you get past him, because I'm just looking at the at the grades right now on NFL.com, he's 6.73. Then you fall off to 6.44 for Broderick Jones. Where's the, kid, where's the kid from yeah. Notre Dame? Uh, which kid from Notre I Dame? I thought the tackle didn't play in the bowl game. I thought we were, was it was two defensive guys that didn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, uh, um, you're thinking. Uh, uh, defensive uh, defensive uh, end. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, defensive end is Isaiah Foskey. He's a little down. He's he's like a second or third round type of guy. Okay. And, and there are going to be good second and third round players that can come in, and if they're not if they're not immediate starters, will be long term starters. So uh, you know they 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 need depth, and they're going to be draft. I'm 
suspect they're going to be drafting a lot of linemen. Well, the Bears had like one keeper last year in the offensive line. They traded him. The guy was hurt. Anyway, let's... uh. No, they had others. Who? Who's a keeper? Well, uh, the uh, left tackle was a rookie last year, and they like him a lot. Well, the guy that was tackling, they put their number, their highest pick, and they moved to guard. He might actually be an okay guard. Yeah, uh, um, he, he also moved in, so they have him. They have Cody Whitehair if they need him. They signed a guy, and they'd really like to get another guy. So, you know, and, and, then, and then they're going to have to fill in with depth in the later rounds. So, you know, I think that's what you're looking at. Yep. I, I would also say one more thing, and then let, let's let's bring Mike into the uh, conversation. And, and that is, there are still a lot of free agents out there, and the Bears still have some free agent money to spend. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so you can go out, you know, so far they have spent their free agent money on younger guys. So they, they've gone out, they've signed, you know, three- and four-year contracts with guys who are in their uh, mid to late 20s. Um, and uh, and that's been a good way to build because it's going to have a lasting effect. But you can go out, and there are lots of li- uh, you know competent linemen, guys who can come in and start for you right away, who are in their young 30s, maybe 32, 33 years old. So even if you aren't going to sign them, you're, you know, you're not going to have them for more than a couple of years, there are competent people for yeah. them to add, but I think they're going to see what they got in the draft first, and then they're going to go back and fill in the blanks. I would agree. Hey, uh, Mike, good to, good to uh, you called in. I, I did not keep tabs on this uh, uh, leakage as much as it was hitting the press. Lou was talking about it yesterday with the some of the numbers being somewhat doctored on there. And then it came that there was a guy, the National Guard, and our, our buddy Thomas, who used to help us out producing, he was in the National Guard, and he, had, he told me he had a, some kind of a top-secret clearance because his job was the... Uh, the the shoulder fired anti-aircraft things, missiles, and uh, you needed top secret clearance to be able to get the launch codes for those things or something. Something. So what? What exactly? I can't conceive that Thomas. This is gonna sound awful. I can't conceive that Thomas could have, from the National Guard Armory at Ford City, could have uh, somehow tapped into the, the the bowels of everything that's going on in the Ukraine like this other guy did. What? Could you fill us in on this from the top? Because I know nothing. And I'd like to know something. Well, this guy was in the Massachusetts Massachusetts Air National Guard, and he, it said that he worked tech support, so he might have had access to all of that information because he was in the tech support. So, and with the Air National Guard, he would definitely get information about uh, air defense systems and uh, the air systems of Ukraine and of Russia. So he probably worked in some sort of a sensitive compartment and information facility, although I don't know that for a fact, but considering he had access to all that information, I think he probably did. And then he downloaded the material, or actually he printed it off and then took pictures of it. That's that's what I have seen anyways. But you, uh, I mean, Without going to stuff we you can't talk about, I mean you were you were in the army and you were pretty high up the chain in terms of intelligence. But could you just walk in one night, have a couple of beers, and say, "Gee, let's let's see what the air defense looks like at Okinawa and pop it up"? I mean, I well, with reserves, which is what the Air National Guard is. Uh, it, I mean, it's a reserve type organization. They they have uh, their guys could probably come in at all hours. 
you know, probably the early in the morning and late at night because they might have to work their hours at different times because well, my son is in the reserves and his guys would work different times also because you know they're working regular jobs some of them anyways so uh, although they do have permanent guys so this guy could have had access on a permanent basis and uh, it, it you know he's relatively young he just printed off the information and he started it he started disseminating it on that discord site and uh, then it went from there. What? A, what? A, so the the National Guard. What? All right. Who are, who are all these people? There's the, the National Guard, the Illinois National Guard. Is that a state thing? Or I mean, how does how does that all work there? And who are that the, is a state thing. And the, and I think you're what you're talking about. Your friend or your cousin or whatever he is. I think he was in the Army National Guard. Well, this guy was in the Air National Guard. It doesn't make any difference. Okay. They all have access to roughly the same information. You can go out and kind of sweep the net, or um, there's different um, search mechanisms on the intelligence networks, and you get the information that way. Who are the, who are the, who would be the permanent people in the Illinois National Guard? I mean, it, there's guys that spend their whole career in the, in the National Guard. Yes, and almost every unit has at least one or two that are their permanent guys. It makes it easier for them to do logistics and do personnel, and it gives them someone to monitor things on a daily basis because it, most of those units, most of their people come in on the weekends, but this way it gives them, and it gives the commander somebody to call on a daily basis if they need to get something done. Is the commander? Yeah, I think of it. I think of it a little bit like it's the uh, volunteer coordinator at a hospital or something. That's a full time job. The volunteers come and go, just like the people who serve in the guard will come and go over a period of time. That's pretty accurate, Kevin. Yes. Well, so would a guy like you, when you retired, well, when when you say you, you want you retired the day you could. I don't know if you did or not, but could could you walk over and apply for the? National Guard guy in Virginia, if you still wanted to be involved? No, I'd have been too senior. They, I mean, they want people that are physically active. They still have to pass a physical training test and do things like that. So it's just like the active army, other than they're on a reserve status. Okay, but so who, who the Illinois part, the Illinois part, I mean, who pays for these guys? I mean, it's all the money all comes from the government. How does other than their name on it? What does Illinois get to do? Everybody? I think uh, it, uh, the Illinois probably pays for their national guard, uh, and it depends. The Army reserves are paid for by the feds. I think the state reserves, although I don't know this, are paid for by the state because the governors can call them up, vice the president. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, you don't get much of this. The reason why I'm, I'm kind of confused here, Mike, is because in Illinois, in Chicago, let's put it this way. How can I say this gently? The Afghanistan situation, all these things, the big cities didn't really contribute many people to to the to these wars. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I don't know of anybody here, and you know, who didn't go to like West Point or something that was involved. It, I mean, it wasn't even talked about in Chicago. Yet, yeah, well, if I if I go visit my relatives down in Columbus, 
I'm always the first guy up on Sunday. I grab the paper, and there's the Columbus Dispatch, and they're talking about three or four units from this suburbs or someplace. The Mechanics Union of Dublin is not union, but the the, the Ohio National Guard Mechanics Group from Dublin, Ohio, is heading to Afghanistan. There's other groups coming back. There's people going all over the place in these in these areas that have these National Guard units. Now, are those Army or those Ohio? Can the president? Who tells the Ohio National Guard you got to send your mechanics over to Afghanistan for six months? The president might, or not the president, but the army, uh, under the auspices of the commander in chief, would say, "All right, look, this unit needs to deploy to Afghanistan. We need." So, for instance, my son, he he was in a psychological operations unit. They're no, they're now called military support operations, but. His unit got called up, so he had to go, and that happened to him twice. He was he was stationed with a California unit one time, and he was stationed with a uh, a Colorado unit the second time. So yeah, it, I, I had a guy in uh, you know worked for me uh, who got deployed. Uh, he was National Guard, and he got deployed, so I lost him for a year. Right, and you know, and and generally they retain their jobs for at least a year. My son now is on active duty. Uh, he got called, and, but this he was called on as an individual augmentee. So he's supporting AFRICOM in Stuttgart. And the he works for the IRS, and they have to hold his job up to five years. Okay. And as long as he stays on orders, he's covered with the IRS. Well, the isn't that, wasn't that one of the issues with the... Uh... I mean, you don't want anybody getting killed. But in Afghanistan, with some of the stuff happening on be behind the lines, weren't there, like, small towns that sent, like, 25 guys over, like, in the Jeep repair group, and all of a sudden some bomb would go off and 24 of them were dead in the same town or something, didn't it? it well, that can happen, yeah. It depends on the unit and how they uh, deploy them. But And when you talk, Tom, when you talk about, you know, Chicago, not you go downstate Illinois, you would have. It's just, a, you know, was, did you get a lot of people in the Chicago area joining the National Guard? I would imagine your typical suburbanite probably did not. And, um, and that, uh, uh, you know, in, in the city, probably not so much either. Um, whereas, uh, you know, when you get into the rural areas, there's, there's a lot of people in the Guard, you know, where I live. I thought I read, read someplace, and Mike would know better, only... 12% of the entire army some big cities? I have no idea that, Tom. I never, uh, I didn't keep track of that. We had plenty of guys from, oh, we had some guys from cities, but as Kevin has just said, most of the army's soldiers come from more rural areas, and actually they come from the south, too. We had a lot of guys from the south. Well, what is a, if, if I was, whether I was in the army or not, I uh, suppose I know, I'm a halfway decent mechanic, a diesel mechanic or something. Can I join the Ohio National Guard as a mechanic and what and just do that for 20 years on weekends and stuff? Is it is it worthwhile doing? I mean, uh, yeah. For instance, my son uh, he he is now a lieutenant colonel in the you know in the Army Reserves, and he will be able to retire. Or he already has his 20-year letter, so he can get uh, retirement. He'll be able to get his retirement beginning earlier than age 60 because he's uh, been deployed so many times. He'll be able to get his uh, his check roughly at, at age 55 
for now doing more than 20 years. Mike, don't ruin my day talking about your kid being 55. Well, he's not 55 yet. He's about 44 now. That frames us in a pretty... pretty We we don't need that reference. Your, your son's twenty five. Sorry, right? we don't. We aren't old enough to have fifty five year old kids. Your son's twenty five. No matter how old he is, he's twenty five to me. Just All right. so, but I mean, Mine, so that's so mine's in his forties. Well, and my daughter turns forty next week. So, or our daughter turns forty next week. So, I mean, you can actually be in the National Guard, and now there's no like pension from that. Right? I mean, you're going what? Oh yes, there is. Really? That's why people do it. So I mean, you go and you go. What do you go? One weekend a month and two weeks in the summer, or is that how they work, or something? That's about that's about right. Uh, it is one weekend, and they they can probably get more time if they want. It depends on how much uh, budget their unit has, but generally they can they do pretty well. And they're, yeah. they're and the, and the only catch is you may he, be deployed. He had yeah. more time. Yeah, my son's been on uh, four deployments now. Wow, two active. And uh, well, this is his third deployment now as a reservist. Well, wow. all right, Mike. Thanks for thanks for yeah, enlightening us. One, one last thing, because we, we were talking. This we got started on this about the uh, about the breach, and when Mike is talking about tech support, I mean that it, it, there's there's better and worse ways to lock down your systems. Um, and Carl's zoomed in now, and, and he can attest to this that there that, you know there are, are better and and you know, ways that you can lock it down. But by and large, your tech support people have a lot of access that nobody else has. And, uh, you know, I know I, you know, I had to deal with that as, as an IT director where, you know, there, there just had to be an understanding that, uh, you know, part of integrity and part of professionalism is that you're, you're going to have the run of the system a lot you, you know, you're not allowed to snoop. You're certainly not allowed to share. There are, are times when you might have to have access to sensitive information, and it's a firing offense. You know, and this is just you know in in a real world job, let alone uh, you know the access that uh, someone might have to defense secrets. Um, but it, you know, I, I, I'm I'm just telling you, you know, and I. I, I tell this to my classes when they're taking their you know intro level that you have to start learning that your integrity is everything that you have in this job because you are going to have so much access to information and as far as I'm concerned the first breach is the firing breach yeah. well the thing with this guy is he took pictures of documents and one of the first things you learn with a sensitive compartment and information facility is you're not allowed to bring cell phones in so somebody should have been catching the fact that he was printing off a lot of materials and then taking pictures of it. So so that there's two things he could have been caught at and they didn't catch him at. So he the odds are because he was in tech support that he was the only one in the skiff at the time. Right, well thanks Mike. Thanks Kevin. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. SP Futures down 175, Nancy Futures down 65. Come back, Mr. Carl Denninger. We're going to talk some numbers, and uh, we'll talk some of this software as well. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals. 
loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every Every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamar on the board. SP Futures down 25 cents. NSA Futures down 52 after a big run-up yesterday. That's not very much, so we're still on the on the, uh, the the okay for moving forward here. Do we have uh, Professor Carl? Even though he's not a professor, we'll say he's a professor. <laughs> oh, you do. I've been listening to your uh, your stuff related to uh, the skiff and and uh, all of that too. Is Mike pretty much on the on the on the right page? Um, yeah, for the most part, except that. Uh, so I I have an associate of mine that uh, used to be in the uh, defense department's IT area. I won't uh, get any more specific. You mean like in the, in the Pentagon part, not a not a National Guard part? Uh, well, it's all the, the, all these are connected. Okay. <laughs> So, unlike your desktop computer that you, you know, you have a login ID and a password, right? I never um, use it, but yeah. Those are, yeah, those are all two-factor authenticated. You use your CAT card, which is your official DOD ID. Uh, every military member has one, uh, including, the, including the reserve guys. And uh, that, that card has a smart chip in it. And that's part of your authentication. And then the other one is, a, is the password. 
So without both of those, uh, you, you cannot sign on. Actually, when I, when I said that kind of uh, flippantly, to get in my computer that I do for the show and look at CPI numbers and stuff, that, that anybody can get into. But the other one, the IB stuff, where you actually can get into people's accounts, that's about a five-step process like you're talking about. Oh, yeah. With a car, oh, yeah. yeah you can't get, nobody can get in there without knowing, knowing how to do it. Well, that's, yeah, and that's the way it should be, okay? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that goes along with that is that uh, those, those machines um, are under what's called group policy control, which any corporate entity can use. Uh, some do a rather poor job of it. Some do a better job of it. And uh, that essentially forbids the person from having administrative access to that computer at all. So... There is no way for you to, for example, uh, load uh, Joe's porn software on your uh, DoD connected machine. That's you can't do it. And if you so much as attempt to plug in a USB drive, uh, an alert goes up the chain to the people within the IT side. So that sort of thing doesn't happen either for that reason, and uh, they're they're locked down. So is that why this guy printed it? Well, probably yeah, because if he stuck a thumb drive into the, you know, into the socket, um, that's assuming that they that those machines uh, hadn't had the sockets filled with uh, with hot glue, which they've done in some cases as well. Uh, it would have set an alarm off immediately. So, because that's uh, that's a forbidden action, and that's the way it works. Is that uh, uh, you know, group policy allows you to do all sorts of stuff like this. Uh, and that's a, that's that's part of Windows. It's been a win- part of Windows for a long time, all the way back to NT. Uh, so properly managed, those those systems are are quite secure. Now there's there is a really serious problem with him bringing any kind of electronic device into a skiff. Uh, you just that, that skiff <laughs> a skiff is defined as what a, a, an IT center. It's a secure compartmentalized information facility. It's what ah, it stands okay. for, uh, and. There are things. So basically, uh, the, the way it works is that you have uh, you have secret clearances, and then you have top secret clearances, and then beyond the top secret level, uh, you can have what are what's called SCA, um, which is a compartmentalized access. Uh, those are things that are particularly damaging if they get disclosed, and you have to be read into those programs. So you would have to have a reason to be to have access to that information to be specifically read into that program and then when you're done doing whatever it is you're supposed to do uh, then you're read back out of it and there's a there's a formal interview process you have to turn back over any material you might have but none of that material ever leaves a skiff ever it just never happens and that's the protocol okay because mike, so, mike I, talked about it on one of the shows a while back that he when he was giving a couple of presentations to uh, the double secret committees in Congress, and they would have a, 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 a room for that. And right. he, he would bring the stuff, and he would check the stuff out. You know, there'd be enough, and it would be in a briefcase, and he would go. And it's locked, yep, and it's locked, and, and then it, it goes into that room. Yep. And then even he could pass it out, people could look at it, but he had to collect them, and, and the people who we brought them back to were eagerly to get them back, shall we say. Uh, yes, and it has to all be checked back in. Yes. Okay, so I mean, there's there is they're real serious about this stuff. Okay, I mean, anybody that's ever worked with anything like this, and I I may or may not have done some programming for some people at some point that you know might have involved this sort of thing. Um, but this isn't new. I mean, my 
Oh no, no, no. I, this this is not new. Uh, you know, this this friend of mine uh, was somebody that I used to hang around with uh, quite frequently. Uh, had to go back through requalification because those clearances have to be renewed, and um, expected that I would, uh, you know, have the have the black uh, SUV pull up in my driveway and you know and, and grill me about what I knew about this individual and blah blah blah. Didn't happen, which was kind of surprising. But on the other hand. Uh, uh, they probably know who I am. And well, so my uh, buddy really from Pullman, who I think just passed me, Carl. Uh, even though we have some really, really bright guys on the show, I'm going to say this guy is the smartest man I ever met. Uh, he was a Jewish Torah scholar, uh, rabbi. Well, I'm not sure he was an official rabbi. He was a Torah. He used to lecture all the time. Mechanical engineer by trade. Never stopped. Didn't stop going to college until he was in his 40s. Taking every and you know, worked for uh, uh, Boeing and for uh, Sikorsky. And he was doing some research on helicopters, and they made him show up. I don't think he could even work. The coat had to be left somewhere. They gave him a room. They gave him the, the legal pad and all the information, and basically padded him down on the way out. He couldn't even take his own notes out. And this is when he, when he was doing stuff on the helicopters, I think, that went down and the, the Iran thing that got yeah. Jimmy Carter in so much trouble. But it's, it's been the protocol, now that you have computers and stuff, it's changed, but it's basically the same. I mean, you don't leave it. it, it, it yeah, it is, Chief. And, and, you know, if you're doing programming on stuff like that, the way it works is that the, you know, the device that holds the software that you're working on has to be visible to you at all times. So if you have an office in a computer room, for example, you might have to cut a hole in the office wall and put a window in there uh, and, and have one in the computer room so that you can actually physically have your eyes on the device that has that disk in it during the time that you're doing work. And then if you need to go use the bathroom, you have to dismount it, put it in a safe, lock it with both a key and a combination lock, uh, and then go use, use the bathroom because there's no eyes on the device at that instant in time because you're taking a leak, right? And then, you know, and then you come back and you put it back. I mean, they're, these, these guys are dead serious about this stuff. They're not, they're not fooling around. And, well, and nor, should they the, yeah, nor should they be. Well, People's right, lives are at stake. Well, and if you violate those protocols, you can go to jail. All right? I mean, they're they're not fooling. They don't just fire you. You can go to jail. It's it for is for real against the law, um, and they mean it. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, th the thing that's that surprises me with this. Um, well, there's two things really. One is is that this this individual got that clearance. Um, and and had this propensity to uh, you know to be involved in the gaming world and things like this, and that didn't generate a great deal of scrutiny because uh, Discord is primary. I mean, there's it pretty much anybody can set up a group on a Discord server, but the primary place that it's that it's used is by gamers. Right. What's what's a Discord server for people like me uh, and the rest of us don't know? It, it's a chat system, basically. Okay. okay. It's 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 just a way to you know shoot back and forth information you know messages to people kind of like reddit but a, but you know a little more informal in so that that's why when you i mean i haven't watched much lately but that's why when you you talk about like uh ncis they had a that show sometimes was fairly current when uh they would talk about somebody the real bad guys would would, would go back and forth where they were the what, what move you made in the game and that's how they communicated you can do stuff like that right yeah, I mean it's there's this is that's that's basically 
you know, out of band communication is is uh, you know is, you have in band communication within most of these these larger games, you know, these these server based games. Um, so you know, Discord's a way to you know kind of have that out of band, and it's that's its most common use. But I I have a friend of mine that uh, you know that is part of a chat on Discord, and it doesn't have anything to do with gaming. It's just it's where they set it up. So it's you know that's what they do. Uh, but that that's where this stuff showed up is is a little bit troubling that it went on for as long as it did without being detected is a little troubling too um, but the thing that that I found most fascinating about this is that a couple of the things that were exposed um, essentially mark us as having entered this war well, and yeah, yeah. Uh, well and that's a problem Okay. Um, also, uh, apparently, one of the allegations is that uh, I guess uh, South Korea is very angry at this point because they apparently have been involved in some munitions stuff, which is a violation of their constitution. And so there's uh, there's a lot of things flying around as a result of this disclosure. Uh, none of them good, but. The most troubling, from my point of view, is that if if in fact the reports that we have uh, we have actual boots on the ground in Ukraine is true, and that's one of the claims. Uh, um, advisors, they used to call them in Vietnam, well, and other places. No, well, apparently not just yeah. That. Well, then it goes. Where it was Vietnam, where it was advisors, or was it? For a long time, and then it was something else. And uh, yeah, the, the the problem with that chief is that uh, every single person uh, and every piece of our land here in the United States is now a legitimate Russian target. Well, I mean, the, it, I'm not going to say it's quid pro quo because it was from a longer time and different. Re- that that's what they did to us in Vietnam. Oh, I'm yeah, I know, and you know, but uh, but the point being, we have studiously maintained that well, we are providing money and material. Uh, that's where it ends. Well, I mean, and, uh, I'm and, sure the con- the contractors that are fixing the stuff are our people. No, uh, we're not. No, no. The allegation is that we're talking uniformed. Well, dudes. as I'm saying, how, it, it, how does that cross <laughs> over? I mean, the, I, the, the, it's, I, it's I pretty blended, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's a you know. The, I don't know, you know, I can't speak to the veracity of it, because I haven't seen it, um, but the fact that they arrested this guy uh, means oh, that yeah. the data, the information that was leaked is real, okay? One of the things that was, when this first started to show up in the press, one of the claims that was made by all of the press people was that this was more Russian disinformation. Okay, this was just a bunch of BS that was coming out of Putin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you know, no, we're not really doing that. That's that. You know, that Putin's lying again. Okay. Well, you know what? The first casualty of war is the truth. Okay. So you know, we lie, they lie, everybody lies. That's the way it goes. But the fact that they've now arrested this guy for doing it means that all that information that was supposedly a lie isn't a lie. It's the truth. Well, this this dates back to the the Spanish Civil War, for God's sake. I mean. Uh, oh, I I know. I'm just uh, you know, but. Well, I mean, uh, but we, the we damage though the damage is real though, chief. And I that's, understand. Oh, I yeah. get it. But it, it's but they're they're gonna they're gonna cover it up, <laughs> just just like we we manufactured a two day rally by saying gas prices were down when they're up. I mean, <laughs> well, by by the way, yeah. Speak, since since you let's let's go there. 
Okay, let's let's spend a good part of our time here on the on the economic stuff because well, just before you before you close that one out, what do you what do you suppose yeah. if somebody would have were to, were to write a book a about when the Russians were in Afghanistan? I mean, isn't that one of the reasons? And I don't know the full story about it. Nobody does. Osama bin Laden hated us. Didn't didn't we give his group money to to mess with the Russians and then bailed on him or something? Oh yeah, no. There yeah. was um, well during during that period of time. I mean, you know, the Mujahideen was, uh, you know, they they basically threw the Russians out of, you know, out of the goat herder land, right? Yeah. Um, but they didn't do it on their own. They did it with a bunch of Stinger missiles that we happened to magically drop on them. Well, not just drop on them. I got to believe we had somebody there. Maybe he was in shorts and a t-shirt and wasn't in uniform, but somebody had to show him how to work the damn things. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I'm willing to bet that if you dumped a bunch of those things in a in a field with, uh, you know, a bunch of these Mujahideen guys, uh, it would take them a while to figure out how they worked, right? They seemed to be awfully good with them, awfully fast. Yeah, they didn't come with, like, the, you know, the... the, the uh your car warranty. <laughs> the, 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 you know, here's how you I, I don't. I don't think this is quite as simple as put the key in and turn it to on. Right. Here's how you change your headlights. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, so we we did it to them, and then when right. we and then if you would have walked out into a bar in 1978 or whatever the hell they were in there, and stood up on the bar and said, "I think in 20 years we're going to be in Afghanistan instead of the Russians," they literally would have put a straitjacket on you and said, "What's this guy smoking?" Because now and then, here, then feed feed forward. Now all of a sudden we're over there, and the Russians are doing the same thing to us. I mean, this is the game everybody plays. And at every at every given time, if you would have if you would have figured out what each side was doing from the top down, I mean, a matter of fact, uh, I, don't know if I don't know if you've ever if you've read it. If you haven't, you probably should. A man called Intrepid. One one of the with, with all the stuff that we were doing before World War II, because Roosevelt knew an awful lot more was going on in Europe than anybody else. So, right. so we were we were pushing the I'll say the term pushing the envelope, and one of the I forget who wrote the book, one of the chapters was entitled "Impeachable Offenses." Offenses. Yeah, I mean this is you know, th- th- it, not the first time we've played this game, right? I mean, you know, obviously the you know Afghanistan, Charlie Wilson's war, uh, you know the whole the whole American made thing, Iran Contra. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, come on. So this is this is not a new thing. I th- one of the things that I th- that I find fascinating about this though is that even though this guy's in tech support, so you know as as you noted, uh, you know tech support guys have have the ability to get into an awful lot of stuff because that's their job, right? Is to help people out when they have problems. Um, and you know, and in this kind of context, well, guess what? Uh, that's you know, that's a classified system, and so there you go. But there is a f- there. <laughs> when you start talking about that sort of material, there's there, you know, you check in the in the world of paper, you checked out a folder and it went into a locked briefcase. You went into your skiff, you did your briefing, then you brought it back, and they were real interested in making sure that all the pieces of paper that went out came right back in. Yep. Right, and so there's no copies being made or kept. Um, in the computer world, everything is audit trail protected. So that this apparently went on for a significant length of time without anybody catching the fact that that has happened, that that sort of bothers me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, one of the themes, and I don't know why it should be a, a theme of, of us, Carl, but you can't help but but raise the the, the little flag here. Uh, everything we talk about and have talked about for years. 
be it hurricane response, be it, it seems like we have a, a total lack of competency on virtually every level. Now, some of that, some of that's normal. I mean, if you, I mean, have you ever heard the term? Well, you have the term peacetime generals. You know, yeah. there, there's, there's, if if you are not at war, your army is going to get, no matter your best efforts, if you all of a sudden have to do something, probably some heads roll and some other people that should have been promoted before come up after some other people die, right, or, or screw up. It's, it's just the way things sort of are in the world. It's just the way people sort of are. Because they, I mean, look at the, <laughs> the list of uh, people that the mayor here has for his transition team. Everyone on there has done nothing but, I won't say nothing but, uh, I just did but I shouldn't have. Uh, everybody there has been a, a community organizer of this, of that, where their whole job has been to get money from other people, the city, for whatever their game is. Now all of a sudden, they're on the other side, and people are going to be asking them for money. It's going to be a very rude awakening. It, it may, it may, it may actually turn out that they get very selfish. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I have a suspicion it's not going to turn out so good, but but maybe it is. All of a sudden, you're the person that the community organizer next door is now demanding money from you, and you go, "Wait a minute! I don't want to give this guy any dough." I mean, it's it's amazing how the 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 times change, right? And but I mean, this Ukraine. Just before we get off this topic, is. Uh, Russians go in there, we, we don't really want to be any part of it. We don't want to be fighting it. We don't want to tell people we're fighting it. By the same token, we don't really want them to succeed because who knows where they're going afterward. And if we do succeed, we want it to be very painful. We don't want it to be three weeks and all's, all's well, and then Putin says, well, who's next, Poland? I mean, because we don't want that either. So it, I mean, it's a really troubling spot for a president to be in. I mean, it, without even looking at this, just go back and look at what Roosevelt went through in the 30s. It doesn't change. But at least then you can, now you can at least read about that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, know, you, you didn't want, if it, you didn't want Hitler to just walk through Britain, because then what, what would we look like? Well, exactly. I yeah, mean, I it's, mean, yeah. So. I mean, it's, uh, it do, I mean, it doesn't change, but it, but now the it, 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 this this stuff has been going on forever. Okay, I mean spying is is part of the thing, and and people that have some ideological bent, whatever it is, um, you know that's that happens too. The in theory, the clearance process and the monitoring is is supposed to identify those individuals that uh, you know they're subject to compromise. Um, you know, as as we all know, human processes are not perfect. Well, didn't uh, did it take the Britons, Britons, the British? I'm not going to say did they ever really recover from Kim Philby. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, you know, you 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 look at the at some of the things that we pulled off though during World War II. You know, I mean, yeah. we broke the enigma, right? Yep. Without that, uh, we were probably done in terms of being able to actually get ships across the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, everybody says you know we got all this stuff. I mean, the reason why. We we know where those guys were going to pop out of the water, and we had a a, a, a flying boat. Dest- you had a destroyer waiting for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, where did that guy come from? But so, so I mean, it, but it, it comes down. I think one. This has always kind of happened, Carl. There's a, there's a disinformation that goes out, and some of it is is legit. I mean, there are there are secrets that people should have. Uh, you know, clearly. Not everybody knew. I don't even think the people in government knew what was going on in Germany. But but Roosevelt managed to get outside sources, and he had a pretty good idea. Uh, but at some point, now it's getting way too easy. 
when we start when we start messing with CPI numbers just to screw with people and maybe if you really want to be a, an ass, which I can be at a time, if you want to if you want to if you think people put out these numbers just so they could be long futures for two days, I'm almost thinking that that's happening. Carl. I mean, it's getting way too easy. How, how does somebody take a one percent positive number on energy prices in the month and adjust it down to four four point six or whatever it was? Decrease then the PPI follow it through the second day. You can't tell me that people didn't decide to do that, or else you would never follow it through the second day. They they had energy prices last month down almost five percent. Where? Well, you know that was one of the things that I thought was really really sort of interesting with all of this is that um, if you look at the PPI numbers, they're telling you a story that nobody wants to. You know, you will not hear this on CNBC. Okay. The first thing is that a, a huge per- percentage of that decrease uh, was energies, was yeah. supposedly energy prices. All right, but the other place that showed up in services, and this is really bad, is in trade and transportation services and finance. And those were the only places that saw it. That's what was responsible for that decrease in those numbers. Well, now I don't know about Chicago, but I can tell you that here. In the last two weeks, we've seen a ten percent increase in gas prices. Well, we've been the same thing here, but uh, well, I've just well. well my, so, my question so to guess you, what? I mean, here's so, the Carol question. Well, no. So here, so you caught the trough basically with the survey, right? Maybe. So, well, maybe, or or it's cooked. But let's assume that let's assume that the survey week, just the way it worked out, caught the trough. All right. Well, that just disappeared. Right. Well. From my recollection, because I, I get gas every Sunday morning in my gas-hungry suburban, uh, the uh, I'm going to say, well, my question to you is, you, you've said a bunch of times that the third week of the month is the labor survey week. Is, right. Do you think that's the same for the CPI? Um, so the CPI and PPI numbers, I don't pay as much attention to the survey stuff simply because, although I track it, it's... It wasn't a primary part of the series I tracked back in the 1990s. Okay, so the technicals on that, and and the CPI is reasonably transparent, at least in that the the elements of it, uh, you know, in that big table that's in the report. Right, I'm looking right at it. Right, the PPI not so much. Right. Okay. So so the PPI is much more of a black box. Whereas the CPI looks an awful lot more like the labor report in that there's at least enough data in there that you can try to track trends over and the, time. And the PCE, the one that the Fed allegedly looks at, you can't get into it at all. But that's, that's a complete black box. Yeah. Right. So, so that's one of the things that I, that I think is kind of, uh, you know, kind of important with it. But the, the, the PPI number, though, uh, does not scream the end of inflation. No. It screams recession. Right. Like now, well, I, I just to follow this up because of my memory is, I'm going to say so. If it's the third week, we're talking about the third week in February to the third week in March, okay. And I'm going to say the third week in March. I don't, I don't recall. Well, well, let me let me say what we, what we have down here. I'm looking at the gasoline line and the CPI. The gasoline line, the actual, is one per, is one percent up, okay. So right. from the third week. Of February, the third week of March, they've got one percent up. But I'm saying the recent, the year, what you're talking about, the ten or fifteen percent, twelve percent, maybe, that's been up has been all the last two weeks. 
So that's gonna, that's going to be next month's problem. But here's my my question, and, and you know, you know, you know, everybody, do you, whose job is it to take the one percent raise in a month and adjust it to where it's actually down four point six? How the hell can your people screw up a gasoline number? There's prices every out in front of the place for God's sake. I mean, why would somebody adjust that down five point six percent unless they're trading on it or unless they were told to do it? Well, I you know, yeah, I don't know, um, <laughs> but the the PPI is is the stuff going through the pipe that hasn't gotten to the consumer yet, right? Okay, through the through the the production pipeline in the different stages of production. So, um, I mean, is is it is it unrealistic to believe that those numbers might be? No, it's not unrealistic to believe those numbers might be real, but. The the problem I have with what I saw in the PPI is that in the in the trade and transportation services area, uh, what that data is telling you is is that there's demand destruction in a serious way, my not nep- a little my nephew, bit. My nephew was telling me the same thing uh, Sunday. He's in the, the they make they're in a machine they got a machine shop essentially where they'll make parts and conveyor belts and stuff for people that design them, and they'll make them one-off for a lot of the factories in Chicago. For a while, they were so busy, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. As, people, as everything started back up. And now, right. now he says they're just they're, they're, they're at a, a nice pace. He goes, but it's not, it's, it's not at all like it was six months ago. They're happy with the pace now because you know, everybody needs something tomorrow so they actually can deliver everything on time. So if it stayed like this, it would be terrific. He said, but it's definitely down. Yeah, I mean it's the that that you know one one number one month does not a trend make, okay, but the magnitude of that decline on a month over month basis and, it, and by the way it's been going on for about three months now the deterioration in that in the internals in there, um, I and and like I said it's localized into those specific areas I. It, I think what you've seen here is, you know, as, as I've said and as some others have said, the cure for inflation is inflation uh, because eventually it leads to demand destruction. People can't pay, and then that's the end of the show. Uh, I, I think what you're seeing is exactly that. And, and if that's correct, as we come into the summer months, uh, Katie, bar the door. Well, we got to head, head off for break here because I want to – I'll bring sort of the Fed back into that in, in the in the market because uh, this the more I look back at the COVID situation and the market performance, the more I'm I'm sort of horrified at what lesson they gave people. <laughs> uh, yep. SP futures up two, Nasdaq futures down fifty. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. Carl Denninger with us. SP Futures down 4, NASDAQ Futures down 78. It's after a big day yesterday. Everybody be happy to know that JP Morgan is doing just fine. They're up almost 6%, up 736. Someday, somewhere, maybe not, maybe who knows when, there, there's going to be a comeuppance for these pay- people that are favored. I and mean, these banks are just so favored. How can, they can't, they can't, they can do no wrong. They will let the rest of the population go in the rat hole before they let these guys. It's, it's, it's really, really something. I don't know. I don't know what. Well, I'll get Carl's opinion on that in a minute. But the uh, Dow futures are up 49, mostly because of uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, everything else is well. We got Goldman Sachs is up 552, right? and we've got United Health up a dollar 89. Another, another favorite in the industry. But uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 81.5 percent, FTSE up 56.7, CAC around up 43.6. For Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 336. These guys are catching up to us yesterday because we had that huge day yesterday, obviously. Nikkei up 336, 1.2%. Hang Seng up 94.5%. Oh, back over 20,000. Well, 20,434, so they're well over 20,000. Shanghai up 19. That's 0.6%. Yesterday, big day uh, based on the two, uh, well, coincidental with the two numbers, uh, PPI and CPI, two days uh, one after another. Dow is up 383. S&P up 54. NASDAQ up 236, almost 2%. Uh, bonds 
up five basis points now at 3.50. Bond up one basis point, 2.38. Japan unchanged at 0.47. We've got oil still creeping, creeping here. Up 25 cents, 82.41. Remember, it was in the low 70s not that long ago. Rent up 22 cents, 86.31. We had the OPEC cut and other things. Uh, natural gas uh, down two cents, under two bucks, 198. Uh, we've got gold down 420, but it's been a real tear. It's over 2050, 2051. Silver up again today, up 21 cents, 26.13. Copper up six cents to 419. We've got Bitcoin up 425, 30,808. We've got the U.S. dollar, uh, yeah, down a little bit. Actually, up a little bit today. The, the euro's still 110, and the British pound 125. So we've, the dollar's been going down almost every day. Today, it's pausing on that. Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, so uh, for sports, last night, no games to report. So starting off with later today at 5.40 p.m. Chicago time, the Diamondbacks are going to be playing the Marlins. And over at 9.10 p.m., the Cubs are going to be playing the Dodgers. Over to the NBA, tonight at 6 p.m., the Bulls are going to be playing the Heat. Now over to Chicago weather. It is currently 55 to 53 degrees. Going to have sunny skies today, 77 degrees. Nearly the same story over in Phoenix. They're at 59 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 78 today. Now over to Chicago traffic. Traffic has built on all the major expressways. You can expect uh, some delays coming in basically no matter where you're coming from. Uh, only specific things to note is, uh, as earlier mentioned, uh, uh, it looks like an area is now closed due to an earlier accident. Uh, it's on the Dan Ryan, east between uh, Eisenhower and 55 Stevenson. Uh, traffic is being diverted into the Express. It says this will be closed for hours, so expect delays for up to 30 minutes if you're coming through that area. They're scraping a body off the pavement. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not good. No. Well... On that happy note. Yeah, on that. Back to you, <laughs> On that happy note, Carl. Um, the uh, I gotta, Can we shift here a little bit? Because there's a question I wanted to ask you for sure. Ask you. Everybody keeps talking about this banking crisis. Uh, Carl, we had a, a bank. We had the other one in New York, or New York. We had a bank appearing some combination of totally mismanaged to the point where maybe they were investment bank on top of the other stuff. Somehow or another, people were forced to keep huge amounts of money in there, and the and the people who were putting the money in there also somehow were principals in the bank. I mean, it was just a a huge goat bleep. And the yes, the the San Francisco Fed seemed to be asleep on working from home or wherever they are. So that place goes under. They find a buyer. It took them a while. Where where is this general banking crisis coming from? Is it a, a general thing that now the banks are going to be forced to pay some interest? And they're actually going to be paying interest more than and they're making on their investments on the bonds they have. Or what, what it, where is this general crisis coming from, That I'm, other than the fact they might have to pay interest in their for, for the first time in 20 years? Well, I think that's the, yeah, I mean, the <laughs> essentially the problem that you have with all of this is, is the premise that you are just allowed to operate in an infinite leverage world. And therefore, you can have a dumpster fire going out behind your your operation of burning up cash, and and it's all good because there's another round of funding coming. The venture guys can uh, can grab another five billion dollars, and they you know they have to pay uh, you know five million dollars in interest in order to have that five billion out because it's one percent. And so you know, no big deal. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's no, for some people, it's no big deal. 
Chief, those days are over. Okay, and and why? Because well, guess what? Now uh, I can buy a four week bill at five percent. So why why would I give you this at uh, you know at less than one, right, or at one when when I can have five? Can you can you imagine, Carol? These guys have not paid interest for so long. Uh, can you imagine what the bitching must have been like the day the manna from heaven stopped? Uh, yeah. I mean, it hasn't changed. <laughs> I, that's uh, yeah, I, you know that's the uh, that's kind of the thing. I mean, I, I just I, I look at all these all these elements of of what we've done over the last and and really it's I mean you know you think about it, it's been going on for twenty years now, right? Yeah, I mean this goes all the way back to the tech crash. I would say two thousand. Yeah, that's my yeah. It goes, it goes all the way back. Yeah, it yeah. goes all the way back to the tech crash and 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 then you know this and and. Part of the problem with these kinds of of crazy policies is that you can control how crazy you are, but you can't control where the crazy shows up in the economy as a whole. Well, that's, right? that's, because that's why the inflation—if it was even, nobody'd care. But it isn't. Well, but it isn't, and and the thing, but that's the thing is you can't control where that shows up. So, you know, in two thousand five, and you and I, you and I, you and I could predict if if they had a government policy, they were lobbing on the table. You and I and Professor Hal and Professor Russell could sit in a room for two hours, bring in some coffee and adult beverages, and at the end of two hours we could tell them exactly what was going to happen in two or three years and who was going to fa- get favored and who isn't. It's, it's not easy to predict exactly, but I can pretty much tell you which group is going to benefit over another group. Well, so sure. So can you. Sure, but, that's, but, but the answer is always... Not the ordinary Joe. Oh, absolutely. Okay. The, the answer is always not the guy who has to get up and go stock the shelves in the store, or you know, or whatever. But these guys uh, have gotten incredibly used to using everybody else's money for free, right? That that's. And you know what's even weirder? I, I look at the, uh, you know, the more they talk about recession. I mean, the market's gone up pretty strong this year, and in the last few weeks, it's been real strong. Uh, there, there are people. I mean, I boy, I hate to lot of age shot out here but if I'm 35 years old I and I saw what happened during COVID and I own a bunch of stocks if, if daddy just croaked and left me all these stocks I'm going to sit there and go wait a minute if, if we have the worst recession my stocks are going to double because these idiots are going to throw money at the problem and even though everybody's going to be laying in the street in a bread line my stocks are going to go up just like the Weimar Republic or Argentina Right. I mean that that's that's what we've taught these people that these people is that bad news is going to be is going to be met with a flood of cash and if you're in assets especially the markets you're going to be the benefactor. That's that's yeah, not the message. I, which is exactly the opposite of what it ought to be, right? Yeah. I mean shouldn't it be that uh, you know that the way you benefit is when everybody's doing good? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you'd think it's right? nominal nominal cuz I actually last night when I was listening to this report I'm saying, boy, I can't wait to have Carl on tomorrow morning. Evidently, the the, the commanders, I, I don't know much of the situation, whether they own the stadium or not. I don't think they do. I think the city does, but, but I don't know that. And or maybe you could look that up, see who the hell owns the Washington Stadium. Because I know they're looking for a new one back in Washington, so they must they must not own own it. Uh, anyway, uh, the guy's going to pay $6 billion for the thing. And, all, and I was, uh, actually, I had some people from the Fed and stuff at dinner the other night. I said, you know, I got this guy on the show. And uh, I said, 
I mean, I don't know too many people that are much better at monetary theory than me because I, I studied it and I've kept up with it. But I said, this guy, Carl, put something in it. I never in all those years put two and two together on the long-term effects of people being able to borrow under the, under, under the rate of inflation <clears throat> because that never happened in the 70s and 80s. This is, you're the only guy I know that has actually picked that out as an incredible phenomenon, and it causes people to pay incredible prices for stuff, knowing that if it increases, they're never going to, quote, make money on the asset in terms of if you use any kind of an implied interest number or anything rational. But it means that the guy, the commanders, all he cares about is 15 years. If we do this another 15 years, he's going to be selling it for $15 billion, even though he nev- he's never going to make an, a, a dime if you use the implied interest. When I say that, if you put up $6 billion and your interest rate, say, is 7%, you're talking $420 million a year, right, would be your implied interest. Well, the, the commanders are not going to make $420 million a year, not even close. Right. So you say, why would anybody be dumb enough to do that? Well, the, the, the cost of it is so cheap for the money, especially if you get it from the state or somebody, uh, uh, that, you're, that you, you're willing to sit on this thing and, and eat the, the 1% interest or 2% that you, is actually your implied number because the thing is going to double in 10 years, where 2% would make it double in what? 25 years or something like that. I mean, you're the only person that actually explained it that way, Carl, and it's fascinating. The more I think about it, I'm, I'm in your camp on this. I mean, is that is that why this guy is willing to pay $6 billion? It's not because he's going to make money year one if he paid interest on it. Right, right. Well, that's, yeah, basically it's, you know, that's that's the malinvestment that comes yeah. from this kind of thing. Okay, and that's, and it is the reason that I have always argued that the only way you can solve this and and nobody wants to do it, but the only way you can solve it is that there always must be a positive real rate of interest across the entire curve versus inflation. Right. And and that must always be the case. It must always cost. You know, people say, well, but we couldn't have innovation, we couldn't have business expansion if you, you know, without that. That's BS. All right. How is it that MCSnet in the 90s, in one of the most go-go, do everything with borrowed money and, and by God will claim the GDP of the world a hundred times over, which of course means that 99% of those companies were going to fail, right? Because you can't have more than 100% of anything. Um, how is it that I managed to start a business literally in the closet of my apartment? That is no lie. Okay. And, and ended up in in 8,200 square feet of space at Two Prudential Plaza, downtown Chicago, with a whole bunch of people working for me, multi-million dollar operation, and I never borrowed a single penny. Well, in those days, it was hard to borrow. Well, but, yeah. uh, oh, no, no, once we got going, everybody... Oh, 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 they would have thrown money at you, sure, but... I'm oh, saying, my God. But I'm saying if you'd have walked in the first day... Oh, well, no, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and in fact, I shopped it. I shopped the business plan with a few people that had, you know, that were pri- essentially private equity funding sources. I didn't like their terms, which is the reason I didn't take any of it. Um, so don't tell me that they, you they wanted your They wanted huge interest and they wanted your place. <laughs> Other than that, they were uh, fine. Basically, <laughs> basically yeah, they, yeah, they wanted, you know, they wanted the right, the, the right and capability to fire me anytime they didn't like what was going on, right, and essentially steal everything. And that was the price of, you know, of having, uh, uh, well, no. <laughs> okay. I mean, an awful lot of people said yes, but I, I said no. Um, and, and so, okay. 
But don't tell me you can't build businesses from zero and without having access to all of this so-called credit. Oh, yes, you can. The problem is if whatever you're trying to do doesn't work or it's not profitable, it stinks or it's exploitive and, and you do something like um, alienate 40% of the people that drink your beer so that you placate one point, you know, 0.001% of the population, uh, you fail. Yeah. You're bankrupt. And all the pe- and, and you don't have any money because you just lost it all. And the people that you were employed are out looking for another job. What, what's wrong with that, Chief? Oh, it's, it's the way... Well... The idea, isn't that isn't that what progress really is though? But, you is know what? The but the people who, succeed. But the people who do that find their way. They realize what they did wrong the first time, and if they have an entrepreneurial bent, they get back in the game and try again and they do better a second time. That, that's the that's that's the American way. That's the human condition. How many Chief, people, I, uh, Chief? I did it three times yeah. before I, I, I you know, got the combination right. That's right. Okay, you, I mean, you learn every time. Yeah, and you know what? The the original one. Uh, the the one in Chicago when I first moved out is called Macro Computer Solutions MCS. It was shut down voluntarily because we it just wasn't working. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, mean, we, I didn't end up in the street, but I had to go get a real job with someone else. <laughs> well, yeah, it's I, mean, I, uh, I talk about a, a wacky story about fork in the road, and it, you know, I don't know whether I was right or wrong doing this, uh, Carl. I mean, if I'd have gotten in this industry a little earlier. There were guys that said and they started in the options business in the seventies. They said for, they went like the f- the first six months they never had a losing day. You know, oh then, Lord. The, then the next well, you didn't make a lot because it wasn't that much business, but Do- it but doesn't you, matter. Yeah, but doesn't. <laughs> but then they said all of a sudden, then you went the next, you know, five years that you never had a losing week. Then the next five years you never had a losing month, and all of a sudden it got, you know, as, as the bigger firms started interest and trying to come in and. Demanding you do this kind of size, you know, or all the, you know, it's all kinds of weird stuff started to happen. Where guys, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe you're making, maybe you're losing, and uh, and it, 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 the business kind of grew up that way. Anyway, my when I got out of grad school, my cousin had worked for uh, United Airlines, and he ended up quitting. He was in the accounting department, and became a salesperson, and did very well, and ended up with a huge. Uh, actually, I think at one point they were the they were the biggest cell store, uh, cell phone car phone store in the country. He was across the street from all the Mercedes, Lexus. Well, it wasn't a Lexus. Oh, Mercedes yeah. On Ogden Avenue in, uh, in, in West Chet, West where the hell he is over there. The guys would pull right out of the Mercedes dealer with their car and pull into his place. He had, he had three bays going. It was he was doing unbelievably well. Anyway, well, so. you know what? We, hey, when I, when I was running MCS, we did, I did that. I, t- I took my car over to one of those places and had him put the car kit in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I because what at the time what we had was essentially a bag phone. Yeah, well, you know what the nice thing about it? It sat right there, and, and you, you you press the numbers. The numbers were on top. Remember, so the, it was real easy to press the numbers. Right. There was no fat finger. You picked the thing up. The regular phone had great sound. <laughs> it was it was way. It was, it, it, well, it, it looked like a regular handset of a phone. And yeah, it, and and there was none of this text nonsense or anything. It, it had the keypad on the top of the handset. Yeah, and it was yeah. safer. Anyway, he introduces me. He says, "Go down and meet this buddy of mine." Who uh, he's? I don't really know how he's doing. I think he's doing pretty good. Uh, he said he was working at Airlines, and he gets out of there. Didn't want to be an accountant anymore. He opens up a dry cleaners, that fails. Then he opens up a pizza joint, and that fails. And then he gets a buddy, and they they buy this little. Remember, maybe ever the Mid America Commodity Exchange. 
They, uh, they, they buy a, yeah, okay, they buy, yes. They buy a small mom-pop brokerage on the Mid-America Commodity Exchange. Now, the Mid-Am, they used to call it, was actually in the insurance exchange building. It was a little room, and they did smaller size contracts. So a, a soybean a contract at the Board of Trade is 5,000 bushels. They would trade contracts that were 1,000 bushels. Right. And uh, so for smaller farms and everything, they had a little bit of business there. So they buy this thing, and his buddy was, uh, I'll think of the name in a second, uh, was uh, Larry, uh, well, his, his name was Larry Carroll. It was C&D Commodities. Was the other guy's name was, uh, remember those guys? What the hell is, uh, who was the D? But they ended up being like the biggest traders on the Board of Trade. The guy turned out he had a huge knack for trading. And he, he offered me a job. He said, but you know what? You probably should go out in the real world and get like a real job for a couple of years, then come back. Because I, I can't see you as a runner. Even right. though, so I did that. Now, whether that was the right or wrong move, uh, Rich Dennis, remember that name? I remember the name. Oh, I yeah. It was C&D yeah. Command. Well, Rich Dennis at the time was one of the biggest money manager guys there was. Matter of fact, he, he raised all his cash one time. Uh, Carl and, and he and he went through he went through it in like two months. He they went long gold yeah. and gold and time. He was able to raise cash again in like two weeks for a new fund because they said he'd never make the never make a mistake twice. But there's a guy that ended up doing exceptionally well. And uh, in my one afternoon, Carl, I, n- I never learned as much from a guy as they did from this guy. And he goes, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm long the silver, or and I go, okay. And he says it's. Uh, he says I bought it, whatever it was. I bought it at you know two bucks and it's trading at you know three bucks and it was down ten cents that day. And I go, well, you're still like way up. He had like he had like two million ounces of the stuff. Whatever it was, yeah. he was always position limit. It was three million three million bushels of corn or something. He had a position it was position limit. He goes, time you got to learn to think differently. He goes, every day the thing moves. This morning I had two million dollars as position. Now I got a million nine. You know, I'm down 100 grand today. You can't, you can't say, don't ever remember what you paid for something. It's what you did today. You know, and, 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 but retail people will never figure that out. That's, but when you're, right. a, when you're, a, when you're a professional trader, the the day you start today, like today, if you're, if you got you the start S- today with yeah, today with today, right? And the marks last night or what you start, that's where you bought it. And <clears throat> you know what? I ended up going out and getting another job for three, four years, and then eventually came back down here. And I think mentally. And maturity-wise, it was probably the best thing in the world. But in terms of starting at the time when there was a lot more money to be made, I think I'd be, be uh, I'd, have, I'd have a big house somewhere else besides here. Let's put it this way: if I'd have gone down on the floor then. But by the way, uh, March report came out uh, about uh, if you want to know where that spike and then uh, drop in the futures came from, uh, while we were talking, along with uh, gold being down, the ten-year Treasury being up uh, substantially. Uh, the monthly trade report came out down 1% in wow. March. Now that's all adjusted. The unadjusted number is positive, um, but March is normally a solidly positive month. Um, yeah, so uh, bad number. Let's so there's, there's, there's another recession indicator right there. Well, if you were to, if you were to flip the energy numbers in the two reports the last two days, those numbers are lousy too. Well, here's the thing. The, the, this is a three-month trend here. January... January is normally a fairly negative month uh, compared against December because of this thing called Christmas. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It was quite positive in uh, the retail sales side. Uh, but both February and March have deteriorated sharply. February was pretty flat, and, uh, and March is, is just plain old-fashioned down. 
Um, what do you what do you think the next? I mean, it's kind of early for this, but what do you think his next month's labor report is going to show? I don't think it's going to show too good. I mean, I've heard people tell me that they've been when they look for a job as soon as there's something posted, there's a hundred resumes chasing it. I I you know, like I said, I I look at that PPI number. That PPI number is a leading recession indicator, as far as I'm concerned. I, that's that's what I took from that report, and and now I've got the March data that says that the consumer side of the economy is softening, I would not be surprised to see a negative jobs report next month. If it's not, it's going to be very close to, to zip. I don't, I don't, I hope and I don't, I don't believe the Fed is going to go down the road of pouring money into the system and glossing it all over like they did COVID. I don't think they can. I, I you know, can. The, pro- the, the problem at this point, Chief, is that if they do that, if they do something like that, the inflation rate is going to skyrocket. It's, and it's if already, you remember during if you remember during the 1970s, there the Fed declared the fight won, and boy were they wrong. Yeah. Well, it, but it's it was fairly. I mean, I actually have a huge spreadsheet here. Boy, I want to look at it. But if you look at the six month part, you're right. There was a there was a dip and then a back up, because they they let the money supply slip back out again. And right. But if you look at the the four to six months before the uh, look at the money supply growth or, or no growth at some point it got there and you look at the the chase of the CPI it, the numbers were at least honest now they're not honest I don't think oh yeah no I think that yeah I agree with you there I think there's yeah I mean essentially everything is cooked at this point what, where did we get this I, I, I can't put my finger in you know, hey, when when I was young, everybody was everybody was honest, and now they're not. Well, that's that's not true. That's not true at all. We know that. That just you know, some be some old dude talking. But it seems like there was the truth in government. Now I, I I don't I don't see where these guys feel they have the right to 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 give you wrong numbers. I mean, I, the election doesn't mean that. <laughs> well, apparently it does. But I mean that that changed. I don't I don't think. As, as much as you might not have liked Tricky Dick or any of those guys, I don't think they would have done that. I, uh, I you know, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, part of, do recall that the CPI rejiggering happened when Carter was president. Well, the rejiggering, and every every president, boy, I wish I had this piece of paper, Carl. They all do something. Every, every president since Johnson, or actually Kennedy, did something to screw with the federal budget numbers. Absolutely. Well, well, it was, and it was Clinton that uh, that raided the so-called lockbox. Okay, he started that. Um, well, I his, think Johnson started included the so, the Social Security surplus in the general thing, so it didn't look like they had a deficit in the red. They used to give those separately before. Right. Well, Johnson. and then yeah, and then Clinton changed it again, um, and and he tried to claim that they had run a surplus. Which was a factual lie, right? Okay, but he he, you know, I don't know if he's still. I, I think he's still claiming it, but uh, but you know, oh well, you know, we balanced the budget. We actually ran a surplus, and uh, no, you didn't. That was a load of BS. Um, but you know, this is it, all executives uh, try to you know put lipstick on the pig, so to speak. Well, and yeah. and that's that's not new. But I actually had a piece of paper where they listed every president and what he did, which is pretty refreshing. And I, I went through all my stuff a few months ago, and I didn't find yeah. it. It's got to be someplace. But it started either with Kennedy or a little tweak here and there. And then the next guy would do a little bit more. But originally, 
because Social Security for forever was a huge surplus, right? Every well, year. It, not really. Because well, in, in, in the sixties, it was. If you use a cash, I, well, uh, it, it, okay, but it's not because the whole point of the system is it is designed to smooth out the fluctuations that naturally okay, happen. But, but it, we got a dash here, but we'll talk about this uh, either next Friday or sooner. It, it, well, it, it, it was it abused, was, but it was it was never. How can I say this without being an ass? It was never an insurance system. It was a welfare system and a tax, and they never matched. Well, yeah, and on top and on top of that, it is extremely progressive and always has been, in that you get a whole lot more back for the first dollars you put into Social Security than the later ones. But for a long period of time, since nobody was that old and everybody was paying in, cash cash wise. If, if you if you're having a cash based budget, it was a huge surplus. Even though you oh knew, uh, oh, you know, oh yeah, but it's supposed to be segregated out to prevent that from being abused. What that I'm way, saying is what course. what Jansen did is, is is yoke them both together, so it didn't look like he was. Having well, of course, yeah. Well, of course, it, yeah. It, it, Clinton made it worse. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and, everybody and here Nixon, we are. Nixon did something. Ford even did something. Well, yeah, they they always all a tweet. done this. Anyway, Carol, have a good weekend, buddy. SP Futures down five, Nasdaq Futures down eighty three a little bit, but we were way up more than this yesterday. But a little bit of a comeback so far. I'll be back on Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProdirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.